Hi, friends. You're tuned in to Legal Means Business, a podcast by Leeway. We are joined by some amazing guests who help us identify how to take your legal function and career to the next level. I'm your host, Steph Smith, and we're talking all things legal ops and legal tech, as well as other critical skills needed to help you thrive in the evolving in-house arena. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube or listen on the go through Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy the conversation, please do hit subscribe and let us know what you think on social. Uh, There's also really an opportunity um, here uh, to help set the moral compass or or the standards for the organization. So if you um, kind of take the the ethics role and expand the how you think about that to be asking yourselves, all right, what is the right thing to do instead of getting into the details and creating that that guiding compass for the organizations, expanding it out into environmental or social issues uh, really provides an opportunity to build a deeper culture. So general counsel touched so many of those issues. You know, it, there's an opportunity to lead, but even if that sits in a different umbrella within your organization, there's also a strong opportunity to contribute. The global climate crisis and biodiversity breakdown demands an entirely new way of doing business. And environmental, social and governance matters, or ESG, is fast becoming a hot topic for lawyers all over the world. It's not only an increasingly necessary requirement for our planet, but it's also an opportunity for in-house lawyers to lead change in creating sustainable growth for their business. After all, sustainable business is smart business. And this is why we're delighted to have Christine Newry, Chief Legal and Sustainability Officer at NG Impact with us on the podcast today. Over her 15 plus year career, Christine has advised startups, technology companies, nonprofits and global enterprises. She's launched technologies, developed leadership programs, found new revenue streams and challenged organisations to always act in line with their values and purpose. Today, Christine helps us explore how in-house legal teams can think about and tackle ESG initiatives, regardless of the size of the team. It's an important topic, so I hope you enjoy. Hello, Christine. Pleasure to have you with us on the podcast. (laughs) It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, no, not at all. I'm I'm glad you could make time for us. Mm -hmm. I suppose to 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 dive straight in, I know you, you work in a super interesting space and it's obviously quite a hot topic at the moment considering the current situation and obviously global climate crisis and and everything like that so I suppose to start could you tell us a little bit about your background and your experience and and how you've ended up where you are today yeah of course oh I'm the chief sustainability and legal officer at NG impact and my company is also dedicated to sustainability So we work with global uh, companies worldwide to to make the the plans and strategies for their sustainability transformation. You know, what that looks like is often these days, you know, focus on net zero and how companies can curb their carbon footprint to get to net zero. Uh, So that's my current role. But I I, uh, obviously I started as a a lawyer in in a law firm and I did 
quite a few um, years in that kind of just standard legal work and then slowly worked my way into an in-house role in a sustainability company and, and expanded from there. Yeah, amazing. And it was that kind of your first experience with the topic of sustainability or, or where did your passion come from and yeah. how did you end up staying in the space? Yeah, when I decided to go in-house, I was really specifically looking for a company that was very um, purpose-driven, that had you know a strong mission, that had a social good component, and that was back in in 2013. Uh, and I ended up finding a, a, a company where sustainability was the driving force uh, behind it, and really appealed to to my values and. Uh, since then, I've just been building my expertise in, in that area and, and learning how to be both a, a general counsel, counsel and uh, live and breathe in a sustainability market. Yeah, amazing. Uh, and what does your kind of day-to-day -day role look like at the moment? What sort of topics would you be tackling? Um, it looks pretty crazy. You know, it's the beginning <laughs> of January and uh, January always launches off like a, a rocket ship. Uh, so in the in the legal world, you know, working more and more on trying to create new forms of contracting that enable uh, companies to to work with us on on uh, generating energy savings uh, in a way that is efficient from a capital investment perspective. So you know, really kind of new ways of structuring business on the sustainability front. You know, like um, everybody. Uh, is probably trying to launch new goals for this year. So we're getting set both on the, the employee engagement front to um, have our employees engaged in our program and kind of excited about our purpose. Uh, and then making sure we're on track for our carbon water and waste goals, which we, we share publicly on our website. And then like, uh, like many executives also uh, working on COVID issues and I, I do our health and safety. So that's a, a third hat for me. So a lot of, a lot of management, management on that topic happening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's certainly the case for, uh, especially just now and over the last one and a half, two years for all general yeah. counsel, so many hats. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely, which I view that as a as a good thing. I think the the role of general counsel and how general counsel um, is viewed is really expanding uh, as as general counsel you know take on more and different challenges, which they're they're very capable of doing. So it's great to see that that role um, be growing in in scope within organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Actually, I suppose this this crisis and climate at the moment is kind of brought about for the rest of the business really brought to the forefront of what legal can do and then it's not just within the box it like the, yes. the skills and things you can contribute to are really kind of much wider than what other people in the business might have traditionally expected Absolutely. There's there's so many things that general counsel between you know the the kind of ESG things we're talking about today and um, you know crisis management and uh, working with the the pandemic where general counsel has been challenged to step into new roles and I think has been uh, shown great success in stepping into those roles. So it's um, both a, a point of that generates craziness in our days for sure, mm -hmm. uh, but it's also a, a point of opportunity to grow. Definitely. 
Yeah, amazing. And so you've talked a lot about sustainability there and anyone who follows you on LinkedIn might know that you talk a lot about ESG. Um, for those who are less familiar, what is ESG? Uh, ESG is a set of non-financial measurements around environmental, social and governance performance. And you, you, where you really see this come up is in uh, the investing community and in uh, public companies because investors uh, are using it more and more to gauge companies' performance along with financial measurements. Uh, there's been quite a bit of research that shows companies uh, that have a strong ESG rating uh, do perform better over time. In general, they're just better managed companies. So it makes sense that that, that performance would, would be an indicator of success. Um, but it, it, although it really exists in that investing world, I think it also creates a great framework and, and touchstone for smaller companies that are looking to start their programs because there's so many tools around it. And it also uh, is a pretty broad um, umbrella between having the both the the environmental, the social and the governance components make it uh, a broader framework to think about things in. Yeah, totally. And I know from the kind of customer point of view as well, they're looking to work with companies that are thinking about these things and, and you know, have them quite high on their agenda. Absolutely. And I, I think you're really going to see that um, pressure go. I know we, we receive often from clients requests for information or diligence on various um, aspects in our in our performance, whether it be uh, our environmental performance or uh, how we're approaching uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, certainly a lot of clients care about your your governance, your ethics, how you how you uh, approach anti-corruption. So we we receive a lot of client in inquiries, and I, I see this uh, really growing, particularly in the area of carbon, because of the way that that carbon accounting works. So. As you see, larger companies need to uh, measure their carbon footprint. Part of that is measuring the carbon footprint in their value chain. So there's definitely an increased expectation that uh, from customers that companies be able to provide that information. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And you've touched on it there, but is there anything else as to why why it's important for in-house counsel to be thinking about this? I see it as a, a few angles. You know, there is a, a straight regulatory angle where you're seeing more and more regulations come up, whether it be uh, transparency regulations in terms of reporting or in some cases, um, actual substantive requirements. So that that's a pretty straightforward case where uh, general counsel need to make sure that their that their companies are in compliance. Uh, there's also really an opportunity um, here uh, to help set you know the moral compass or, or the standards for the organization. So and if you um, kind of take the the ethics role and expand you know, the how you think about that to be asking yourselves, all right, what is the right thing to do? And instead of getting into the details and creating that that guiding compass for the organizations, expanding it out into environmental or social issues uh, really provides an opportunity to build a deeper culture. So general counsel touched so many of those issues. You know, it, there's an opportunity to lead, but even if uh, the the um, that sits in a different umbrella within your organization, there's also a strong um, opportunity to contribute. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of kind of collaborative work, particularly for in-house yes. counsel. Yeah, it, it requires the whole organization. So it, it involves, certainly there's a component with HR, with mm -hmm. finance, with operations, uh, and the general counsel is just a, a point of that. But it's, um, you know, when, when companies started with more corporate social responsibility type programs, it, 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 they lived more in a, a silo where you're looking at you know, charitable donations or, or volunteer activities. But as we've moved forward into a world that really focuses on sustainability, it's expanded to be something that, that can't just live within a single point and has to be made into the entire organization and operations. Yeah, definitely. And that's an opportunity in itself, isn't it, for, for the legal team to kind of integrate more into the business and use that as a kind of bonding <laughs> almost as well yeah. to, to work with. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a leader, I'm always trying to make sure that my, um, my counsel is completely integrated into the business because it, it, that's how, you know, both we provide value is by understanding, you know, we're, we're not providing a ton of value when uh, somebody just brings us a problem after it is already completely, you know, gone sideways. We, uh, we can provide a lot more value if we know, you know, the heartbeat of the business and can, can prevent problems. So it, it's great to find those integration points for, for the council where there's opportunity for cross collaboration because that keeps relationships strong. It gives points of, of contact across the organization that really help the, the, le the legal aspects um, be more successful. So there's a kind of a synergy between doing those things. I think it's also really important for retaining talent. So one of the things I found is that if you can have you know, people be able to engage on environmental, social issues, and you know, they're across the organization, all employees um, appreciate that and feel a greater sense of connection with their jobs. And, and that's, that's definitely true for our in-house departments as well. Christine is clear on why in-house lawyers should care about ESG. From environmental motivations to building your reputation as a strategic business advisor. And there are many reasons why in-house lawyers are well-placed to lead on sustainability and ESG initiatives. Firstly, your skill set. You already have the right skills. You can measure and manage risk and this is where sustainability and ESG start. Secondly, collaboration. Improving sustainability and ESG requires collaboration across the whole company and you have a breadth of connections that you can leverage. Ethics. You are interested in moving the conversation from what is needed to comply to what is the right thing to do. Now is your chance to live and breathe this. Regulations. ESG regulations are increasing every day. If you don't get involved, your organisation could end up in hot water and with financial and reputational harm. Lastly, motivation. Do you want to make a difference? This is the perfect opportunity for in-house professionals to find more fulfilment in your career. And are there any common misconceptions, particularly thinking about in-house counsel or, or legal departments around the sustainability or, or ESG initiative? I think if an in-house uh, department hasn't gotten involved in, in the issue, it can feel a little um, overwhelming. The uh, in-house counsel always has more work than they can do. They're, they're always um, asked to be more efficient and there, there's definitely a per perception that 
you know, jumping into this new area could um, challenge the ability to be efficient and, and, you know, taking on new responsibilities is, is always feels overwhelming. But I think that the key is first, um, my, my advice is always just to start somewhere and, and not to, you know, not to try to immediately, you know, start taking on everything, but just, you know, pick a, pick an area and it could be, you know, procurement is a, a great partnership. Are you are you getting um, vendors that are you know meeting the expectations? So that could be a, an easy an easy place place to start. Um, the compliance angles could be uh, an easy place to start. Uh, figuring out how are we responding to client questions on this subject uh, that that can be a starting point. But and you don't have to do all three of those, but selecting you know one starting point and and putting a toe in is is how to to get going if it's feeling uh, a little bit overwhelming yeah that makes sense and i mean even as a an everyday human you can kind of it feels like a big thing to take on but i think you're totally right just starting somewhere i mean the hardest part is starting so and then you can kind of build on that so yeah that makes total sense so it's all you know, fine and dandy if you're a big legal department and you have, maybe you've been tasked with setting up the ESG initiative for the company. Um, what if you're a smaller legal team? Is there, can you still be involved in this sort of thing? And how would you go about tackling that? I think there's always an opportunity to to be involved, and certainly small companies aren't expected to have you know the full kind of build out program that you'd see uh, in a in a global multinational. The you know the starting point I always recommend is you know figure out who else in your company is interested in this. You may or may not have a dedicated role, but I, I guarantee you that there are folks across the company who want to you know engage in environmental and social issues, and then get together. It could be you know it could be a single meeting in a room where you really look at okay what is the what's the most important issue for our company what's the most important challenge and start there and it it could be it could be focused on diversity equity and inclusion it could be focused on environmental performance but where where is it that you're seeing your activities having a potentially a larger impact on on the world and on third parties and uh, what's the why behind your your actions? In in some cases, it could really be you know an employee motivational focused why and bringing in you know top talent. Uh, top talent does expect that you are um, thinking about and, and thoughtfully addressing these issues. Uh, it could be a customer based why, or it could be just that the the company believes it's it is the right thing to do and wants to follow those values. Uh, And there are also financial components and doing a lot of the the, um, basic environmental sustainability pieces can help uh, reduce costs, which uh, every company cares about in increasing the bottom line. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask about the kind of common challenges that they they might anyone wanting to to begin this journey might come up against. And I guess you might have touched on one there um, in terms of, perhaps if the executives are a little less bought in than you might be, for instance. So what are the kind of common challenges and, and how might you overcome those? Yeah, I think that the business case 
for investment is, is always a common challenge. And in here, I recommend really partnering closely with your, your finance team, who, who's ever uh, leading that. And it, it just like anything in a business, you, you have to be able to show uh, a successful business case. Uh, in a lot of the environmental issues, if you, you can look at it and find what are your expenses, and if we are uh, able to reduce our energy usage, what does that mean in terms of cost savings? Or travel, it can be an easy piece where, you know, people aren't traveling as much today for sure, but uh, if you look at it over the long term, and if you can reduce your air travel, uh, that re also results in a, a significant cost savings. So finding those, what's the business, how the costs and benefits work uh, can be the, the most challenging step, but it, it's, it's an important place to start. Uh, and like I said, employee t retention and recruiting is key. So you, you see, you know, today we have a significant talent war going on and it's affecting everybody. So uh, looking at it is, you know, what, how much do we think this is important in terms of getting and retaining talent in and, and really the cost of losing talent is, is huge in this market. So uh, you have to align the cost and benefits and being able to articulate those and, and show them. So it does uh, make financial sense for the company. And that's a, that's a super exciting and promising shift that we've seen from people who care about climate change and social issues being the minority not that long mm -hmm. ago to being almost mm -hmm. the masses and you know it's it's a promising and exciting time to to be involved and touch on that in any way that you can i suppose yes i mean it's really important this is um i i've seen it's a, a growing trend. I just saw it was actually a Harvard Business Review article and talking about how um, ESG went mainstream in 2021. Uh, and it's an area that the trend isn't going to go backwards. Uh, so it's something that it's important for companies, again, to start somewhere where wherever you're at. And it could be that you're already have an, a program and the, the focus point is improving it and staying up to date with the latest. And it could be that, you know, you haven't really started yet and you need to just start somewhere, but this is a, this is a long game. Mm -hmm. This is, this isn't a, a flash in the pan. So, you know, thinking about, okay, what is it, where do we want to be five years from now? Where do we want to be 10 years from now? Uh, you see in the press, particularly around carbon, a lot of focus on 2030 because there's very set climate goals to keep us in in line with a 1.5 degree you know, limit on on global warming uh, a lot of that is centered around 2030 goals so it is a really a long long-term game no matter the size of your legal department there is an opportunity to get involved with esg whether your motivations are environmental or to build your role as a strategic advisor or both the starting point for smaller legal teams or solo in-house lawyers is to find other people across the business who might be interested in the topic. Once you've found your ESG allies, brainstorm what topics are most important to your company. What ESG challenges exist in the context of your organisation? You might focus on diversity, equality and inclusion, or perhaps environmental performance. Think about where your activities are having a potentially large impact on the world and on third parties. If you're struggling with buy-in from executives, don't forget to highlight the business case for ESG, such
such as recruiting and retaining talent, winning new business, or switching to environmentally friendly practices that can save money and impact the bottom line in a positive way. What are the practical steps that small legal teams in particular can take to either one, educate themselves more about this if they don't know too much, um, or two, of course, begin the journey? Yeah, on on the education piece. Uh, so I do do a, a series on LinkedIn um, under the hashtag Sustainable Council. I've been doing that for about a year. Uh, and I try to gear a lot of my posts around just that question of like, where do you start? And I know I've done uh, one in particular geared towards small companies. So if you go and search that hashtag, uh, you'll find some some basic starting uh, advice on, on where to go. I think you also, you know, looking at it from finding, you know, what what is a framework that uh, that you can look at? So maybe look the the it's called the GRI uh, would be a GRI framework is you know, Google that or look at what some of the top companies are doing uh, and figure out how to kind of shrink that down to your size. I always find you know, reading the sustainability reports from an IKEA or, um, or a Microsoft or something like that. You know, very few companies will be able to do as much as those companies are, but it, it gives you a full spectrum idea of, of what the issues are um, that you can say, see you know, what's the most important to your company. Uh, so that, that uh, definitely education is the starting point. And then I just recently did a post on this, but there, if you think about it, there is something that, that a lot of counsel are familiar with is a risk management approach or a compliance approach that, that has common steps. So, you know, first step, getting the key people together and identifying what the, what the issues are. So putting those out on the table, deciding what you're going to focus on. Second step, going and collecting data to see where are you at? So this could be, you know, collecting data on you know, how much carbon you're you're currently using. Uh, it could be if it may be waste is a large issue for your business. So going in and looking at how much waste are you actually generating. Um, it could be a DEI measure. You know, what are your what's your current actual diversity makeup, or you know, if you have a pay gap, what is that actual pay gap? So doing for for your key issues, doing some measurements to see where you're at, then looking at it from a mitigation standpoint. If you when where you find issues that you want to make a difference on, what are your mitigations? So that's that's common to any kind of risk analysis. Uh, setting your goals. So, okay, we fit, we figured out these are our key issues. Here are the mitigations we want to do. How are we going to measure it? And then transparently reporting on, on it to, uh, the, to your uh, key stakeholders. And that just is, it's a circular process. So you start, you start with, you go through the circle once and then you repeat it on an annual or biannual basis. And then over time you, you build a program. So uh, I, I did, like I said, I just did a post on it with the, the, the five steps, but you know, stakeholders, what are your key issues, measuring them, identifying your mitigations, setting your targets and reporting, and you just go around that circle over and over and, and you will have something that builds over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's quite an, a lovely, clear process, <laughs> which... I, yeah. I know I like to follow, so I'm sure um, lawyers and in-house would love to as well. 
in, in terms of doing that, is that something that they need to sit down and do immediately or is it a gradual process? What type of approach is needed to take it? Almost it's quite project management, yeah. I imagine. Yeah, it, it is a project management approach approach. So if it's something you're you're wanting to get into, I think you know figuring out who those key people are and, and setting a meeting you know in the next month, that would be a really good goal to have. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once once you have that initial conversation or if you have a program up and going, uh, you know, identifying who the, the key stakeholders are and setting setting the time to learn what's already happening. So getting getting the conversation going in the next 30 days would be an excellent goal to have at this point. And then from there, you can figure out you know, what the what the timeline is. I, I would suggest that you know you you try to get through you know those five steps every year um, and and have it at a paced have it at a paced schedule, you know, every year, figure out what that looks like. So, you know, not all you don't have to be, you know, completely done with your KPIs and your public reporting by, you know, the end of February, but but figure out how to pace it over the year. Yeah, that makes sense. Manageable chunks. <laughs> exactly. I, I think the the risk is really feeling so overwhelmed that that you do nothing. Yeah. Um, and so figuring out what you can do and how you can do it on a manageable basis is, is the key. So how can you create an ESG program for your business? Here are a few steps to help you get started. One, identify your stakeholders. Bring together key people needed for success, including operational leaders, HR, finance, and employee representatives. Two, assess impacts. What are the environmental, social, and governance impact of your operations to the planet and third parties? I'm talking carbon emissions, water usage, labor standards, diversity, etc. Three, gather data. To improve ESG factors, you must know your starting point. This requires reliable data and a system that enables repeatable measurement. Four, plan mitigations. Select three to five areas to improve and create a plan for how to reduce or mitigate your impact. Five, create KPIs. Change won't happen overnight, but it will happen if you set measurable goals and work towards them consistently. Six, report transparently. Internal and external stakeholders expect progress, not perfection. So share your journeys, include accomplishments and the setbacks. Lastly, repeat. Especially for small legal teams, it's about making incremental improvements. So work through this process and repeat it over time. And I suppose to finish up, what can we expect in the future and what trends might we see um, in terms of ESG in relation to, to in-house? So I, th I think we're going to see a, a few key trends. So the, the larger companies are going to what's called a net zero standard. So that, that what that really means is that by 2050 or and they might set a sooner date, uh, they want to have their their carbon emissions you know, really reduced to that that rate that's con consistent with the 1.5 degrees or or uh, net basically a net zero carbon emissions. And so you're going to see if you do work with those larger companies uh, in order to hit that standard, you're going to see an increase in, in need to be able to engage in carbon reporting. Or if you're at a larger company, 
you know, a push towards releasing that kind of goal. And it, it's a big, I mean, it's a, it's a big lift in order to do that. You know, you really have to have a, a strategy and a roadmap in place. So I think that's going to be a trend. Absolutely more regulation uh, is, is coming down the pike. This is more, more, um, I'd say more aggressive regulation in Europe. They, that a lot of the regulations you see coming out, like um, the German Supply Chain Act, uh, which regulates how you, companies that are headquartered in Germany manage their supply chains can be substantive. A lot of the other regulations are more about transparency. I know California has done this for, for California, um, for California file organizations of a certain size where they you know, have to engage in, in transparent reporting. So keeping an eye on those uh, regulations for council is going to be really critical. Then a third trend that I think will be very interesting, particularly you know, in light of we, the, we just had the anniversary of the, the Capitol riots last year, you know, we're going to see companies of all sizes, I think, uh, increasingly push to take positions on social issues. So for, for a long time, you know, companies really preferred to stay out of taking, you know, positions that could be perceived as political on social issues. And that's just becoming not an option really for companies to, to, to sit on, on the sidelines in terms of public statements. So greater pressure there from employees, uh, from clients, from you know all of your stakeholders, and it, that one's very tough to manage, very challenging. But companies need to know um, that's that's the reality. So get get in place, you know what your key values are, and and how you'll respond to those pressures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That makes complete sense. And I think especially if in-house lawyers or or legal teams more generally are getting involved with these things, I think. The leadership team and the likes will be thankful <laughs> down the line as it's yeah. just going to be yes. something that you'll have to do at some point regardless yes yeah. no nobody uh everybody likes a little bit of advanced thinking uh when it when it saves uh others um headaches and time and trouble exactly for sure amazing well i think that's mostly everything I was hoping to cover today obviously it's a super super important topic and things and it's great to see so many more companies tackling this and smaller smaller legal legal teams thinking about it as well so um are there any final parting messages you'd like to to share yeah uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here I am I'm very optimistic about the future I, I know we have a lot of challenges but I believe that you know with the level of engagement and commitment we're seeing uh, that that we uh, can make a difference, particularly in business. If we have a focus on this, I think we have a huge opportunity to to really make a difference at a at a global level. So, uh, you know, my overall advice is, you know, absolutely, in-house counsel should be getting involved in ESG uh, issues and encouraging their companies to put in place programs that lead to a strong ESG program. And you know, if you're not involved, just start somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I love it. What a great note to end on. So thank you so much for joining mm -hmm. it, join us. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all your wisdom as well, because you're mm -hmm. you're quite a specialist in the subject. And we'll be sure to yeah. to link to your um your LinkedIn as well so people can see the sustainable council uh tips and whatnot. So thank you so much. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. No worries.